This presentation is from UX Australia 2020, day three. Okay, our last presenter for today is uh, Woody. Um, Woody's going to be talking about his work at Light um, and their human-centered design approach to mental health. Uh, Woody will just be a moment. Here he comes. Oh, good morning. Thanks, Woody. Over to you. Yeah, great. Okay, cool. Well, um, hope you guys have all had a lovely morning. Um, some super interesting talks there. Uh, so today I want to talk to you about the creation of my book called Light. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what inspired me, um, about my journey in dealing with mental ill health. I'm going to touch on the design process that we followed to create the book um, and hopefully leave you with some helpful tips for better management of your own mental health or perhaps someone that, that you may be supporting that's going through a difficult time right now. Um, now I know that mental health, it can be a sensitive topic for some people, so if this talk brings anything up for you guys, um, then please do take a breather and, and leave the room and do what you've got to do. So I'm just going to start by giving you a quick rundown of who I am and where I've come from. So Woody, I was born and raised in Yorkshire in the north of England. Um, I went to university at Loughborough and studied computer science and management. And then in 2019, um, I headed to London to start my career. Um, I worked in a couple of IT consultancies and a design agency, um, and it's here where I grew a passion for human-centered design. Um, but in 2016, I decided I wanted to up sticks and go and walk about, um, and I ended up in Sydney. And I've been here ever since. I um, feel very fortunate enough to call this city my home. Um, so what do I do in my professional life? Um, I'm a product manager for a young person's preventative mental health organization called Batir. Um, here's our logo, which is an elephant, obviously. Um, so we're, we want to talk about the elephant in the room, which is mental health. We're all about having positive conversations around mental health. Um, and my job at the moment is to uh, build a digital storytelling platform, um, which will house stories from young people who have navigated tough times. Uh, the idea being here that they're given a voice and then government departments and mental health organizations and influencers can learn from young people and deliver the services that are needed the most. So I just want to talk to you a bit about facts and figures that are linked to suicide and mental health. Um, the one that's branded around quite a lot is that one in five people experience mental ill health at one point in their life. Um, but more concerning is, is ones like it's the leading cause of death for young Australians. Um, and it's stigma that's preventing people from talking. Um, the figures at the bottom of this slide here, um, we, we've got from uh, what we know through our research at Batir. Um, we know that in a group of 30 young people that at least seven people will be having mental health issues, um, but only two will reach out for support, which leaves uh, five people in silence. Um, and it's reported that 70% 70 70 of people won't seek help, and this is largely due to stigma. Um, and in Australia, it's reported that three million Australians are living with anxiety and depression. So that's the sort of scale that we're, we're dealing with. Um, I came across this quote the other day. Uh, it really jumped out at me. I loved it. I think I punched the air at the time of um, reading it. And it was from a guy called Desmond Tutu, um, a South African guy. Um, and his quote was this. Um, there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. And I thought, bang on. And that's why I'm all about uh, with the work that I do at Batir and, and with this book as well. 
So uh, I just want to sort of roll, roll back the clock to um, a difficult time in my life um, when I had quite a serious bout of depression. And there were multiple reasons for it. Uh, my grandpa was really unwell back home. There's a lot of uncertainty over my visa. There were question marks with, over my relationship with my girlfriend at the time. Um, and it left me feeling all sorts of things. Things on this list, it made me feel lost, down, um, exhausted and depressed. Um, I was just wondering why my head was racing all the time, why I was so tired and unmotivated, and ultimately asked myself, what's the point in life? Um, it kind of felt like there was a darkness and that it wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but what I realized at the time, and I was fortunate enough to realize, was that I needed to act um, and that I wasn't alone. Now, I want you to think about eight people that you know and that you really care about and that you love. Now, that's the number of people that die by suicide in Australia every day, and six of them are men. Uh, the World Health Organization report that on a global scale, 800,000 people die per year by suicide, and that trend is on the rise. It was almost me, but I feel pretty lucky to still be here today. Um, and what I realized at the time was that I needed professional help. So I just want to talk to you a little bit about my experience in getting help um, and one of my learnings. Um, I went through every tier of the Australian mental health care system. I started with a GP, then a psychologist, and then a psychiatrist. And the key learning here was that psychologists are really freaking hard to get an appointment with, really hard. And when I called the psychologist that I was referred to, I was told I'd have to wait two months. This was because she had a commitment to her existing clients. So I phoned the doctor back and was given the name of a psychology practice where they had multiple psychologists. Now the big learning here is that it's really helpful to get on the wait list, on the cancellation list. Due to it being mental health, people can be a bit less organized and a bit flaky. So what I learned was to put my name down for cancellations and that way I was fortunate to get enough to get a psychologist appointment in less than two weeks. Um, and I was lucky enough to be paired with an amazing psychologist called Tara. Now Tara taught me it was good to talk. There was a really important way of reducing the burden or the pressure that you may feel. And it was a problem shared as a problem halved. And this is where the idea came from for my book. Tara was really great at leaving me hooks at the end of every session. At the beginning it was the most basic thing. It was like, take a big deep breath when you're feeling anxious thoughts when those waves keep coming and going. And then it was try read this book, really helpful books. And then it was, um, then it was about thinking more and more about your situation and, and what you can do to be mindful and present. And so on the sixth or seventh session, on the way out, she said to me, I think you should write a book. And I sort of took that comment and was a bit like, oh, don't know what she means about that. Surely I can't write a book. But anyway, I thought, what could I write about a book? So I picked up my pen and paper and decided to write about my experience and what helped me. Now, another learning here was that many people saw vulnerability as a weakness, um, and they still do. But I really liked what Brené Brown had to say about it. Um, she said this, vulnerability is the birthplace of creativity, innovation, and change. So what better way to pair vulnerability and creativity and to produce a beautiful, beautifully illustrated book that's designed to help people and supporters of people with anxiety and depression. And if you haven't, you should totally check out her TED talk called The Power of Vulnerability. 
So I stepped forward the team from Tobias. And thankfully, my darkest days were when I was working at Sydney-based design consultancy Tobias. Um, they ran a workshop yesterday. Some of you might have been along to that. And they've got a great talk happening tomorrow, so don't miss that. Um, they were amazingly supportive. Um, and they taught me that if you are vulnerable, then good things can come from it. Um, they got in behind my desire to create something that could help people. Um, and they were an amazing team. Um, we started by mobilizing the team. Uh, we had a crash hot researcher in Belinda Tobias, uh, Mr. Alan Chen as illustrator, Braden Longmuir as designer, and then Simon Tobias, Ash Johnson, and Jace Taikato as the cheerleaders. Now, uh, uh, we've just had in the previous talk from Chris and Julie, the British Council's Double Diamond. Uh, sound familiar? Yeah, well, we followed the same framework. This is a good one. Um, and we started by exploring the problem and really establishing what the project goal was, which ultimately was to help people struggling with anxiety and depression, and if we could, save lives. We wanted to have a positive impact on local, national, and even global communities if we could. We wanted to provide practical tips and tricks for anyone to learn and practice to help their mental health. But what we realized was that time is precious. Everyone wants everything now, immediately, straight away. And so here was our problem statement. How might we provide people with something that is quick and easy to consume, yet provide the most value and best advice and guidance? Now, before I go any further, I just want to talk a little bit about anxiety and depression and how it can present itself. Um, I believe my book can help anyone going through a tough time, but it doesn't have to be mental health focused. This applies to everyone. People get anxious, people can get depressed, and they can get caught up in thoughts. They can worry loads, they can feel nervous, they end up going over and over the same stressful thoughts. And a symptom of this is a lack of concentration. And this led us to this point. How can we help young men understand techniques to better manage their mental health and to encourage help-seeking behavior? So the next step for us was to conduct research with our target audience and start prototyping. Now the book is about how anxiety and depression can present themselves. It's a guide that's there to help people to provide them with the tools that people can learn and practice. And then it's also there to give hope to those people that can't see a light at the end of the tunnel. So I started sketching and writing. Now, one of the most important things here for me was that communicating visually is a core part of human-centered design. And it allows us to be creatively expressing complex ideas and messages in a simple and effective way. A picture can tell a thousand words. And here is an example page, which I ended, putting, ended putting into my Google slide deck. Now, I know what you might be thinking, yeah, yeah, another self-help book. What makes it so different? Well, the design layout makes it really different and the way the book is constructed. We've got one headline word, a simple sentence or two, and a really powerful image. The book from start to finish can be read in less than five minutes, and it's super easy to consume and understand. Um, and it's something that's really helpful for those in a dark headspace, those that may get overwhelmed by big, chunky books. But it's also there for other people that are in a good headspace that can learn from what's in there. Um, you can see here one of my favorite pages, which is about thoughts. And it's saying that thoughts can be confrontational. Um, they can be happy, they can be sad, they can be helpful, they can be unhelpful. But for those unhelpful and negative thoughts, it's important to try and learn to accept them non-judgmentally, which is a skill that I've tried to learn over time and I'm still trying to learn about. Um, I was fortunate enough to work with an amazingly talented illustrator, Alan Chen, pictured. 
and a wonderful and dedicated researcher in Belinda and Tobias. We had Alan producing two illustrations a week um, and we ended up with a tw total of 28 illustrations. We recruited eight young men to interview and we ended up printing off pieces of paper, sellotaping them together and get taking them on the road. So we gave them to these people before we met with them and we invited them in for a chat. We also spoke to mental health professionals, the GP on my journey, the psychologist, and my psychiatrist. And it was a hugely helpful and insightful process. And it led to the creation of the following, a mental health toolkit. It was positioned at the back of the book after the story. And there, were, there was a checklist in there of things to do to help both body and mind. And there's a simple rule of three being applied, which gave three recommended meditation apps, three places to get help, and then three helpful books to read. And my favorite being The Happiness Trap by Dr. Russell Harris. So you should get that on your reading list. We then printed the book out in different dimensions and sizes, experimented, and eventually took it to production. Now the next step was to set up a not-for-profit and build a website. On each page of the book is a bird. And this is where the origin of the name came from. One lunchtime I sat with Alan and I looked at him and I said, can you hear those birds singing? Don't they sound beautiful? To which I received a quiet and assuming nod from him. The next day I was called over to his desk and he showed me a bird that he had designed. With a cheeky smile on his face, he said, this is a golden finch, commonly found in your homeland, specifically Yorkshire, and stands for hope and persistence. And months passed by and on the 15th of October, 2019, the Finch Foundation was born. Now, as I come towards the end of my talk, uh, I just want to talk to you about three of my favorite words. The first one is perspective, and that there's always an alternative perspective. So let's take COVID-19. It's been a disaster and many, many people have lost their lives, which is of course tragic. But there are positive repercussions. It's made us slow down. It's made us appreciate the small things in life, to treasure time at home and with the family, and, and has made us think differently and how we can approach design in different ways. And it's something that Dan Brown stated in his talk yesterday. Design is about different perspectives. The next one is teamwork. I believe that you can pick your own team. You don't necessarily have control of all the players, maybe not your family, but you should never feel alone. Wherever you are and whatever you do, someone has helped you, either by teaching you or giving you the materials to create something. And from a mental health perspective, and a broader life perspective, it's about the team that we can create around ourselves. A team that can help you during tough times. And it's up to you to try and build that community and network around you. And the third one is breathe. This is the most simple one. Um, it's the best way to respond to anxious thoughts and feelings. And through practice and for me meditation, it's a skill that I've learned over time. And it's something that I believe has really amazing powers if you master it. Now, um, if there's anything you take away from this presentation, it is this, so please listen up. I'm going to show you a video from the Washington Post about COVID-19. So in this video, you'll see a dark dot which represents the virus, and it will show how it spreads and how it can build momentum. And here it is loading. Hopefully you will be able to see it in a second. Oh no, well here we are. So we've got the dark dot representing the virus, and that then goes around and around, and then everyone gets infected, which is obviously very scary uh, and is a good justification for the need to isolate. Now, I want to take that principle, though, and flip it 
Imagine that dot is someone knowledgeable about mental health, someone that knows how to have a conversation about mental health, knows where helpful resources are, knows someone that, someone that knows where to go for help, and someone that can provide support when it's needed. Now imagine that one person passes it on to the next person, and then the next person, we create a ripple effect. We can create a community that cares, that helps, and that has a positive impact. And this will help us to go upstream and find out why people are falling in the first place and stop that from happening. And that's why I believe you guys can help. So I want you to ponder yourself and your life. I want you to think about where you live, where you work, who you work with, where you play. Think about the communities and clubs that you belong to. And then think, how might we in our everyday lives help the people around us? How do we have conversations about how people are really feeling? How can we better understand the challenges that people are facing? And how can we support when it's needed? And then I invite you to reflect on this, on the International Mental Health Day later this year, which is the 10th of October. And hopefully you'll think of this talk then. And please let me know how you go. And lastly, um, a huge thank you to you, to you for listening to my talk. Um, and if you or someone you know might benefit from my book, then visit my website at thefinchfoundation.com to grab a copy. Um, and just to leave on a note, I'd love to say that um, if you can help me get this book out there and help start the conversation and perhaps even save some lives, that'd be awesome. So if you can help with distribution or help with uh, raising money to digitize the book or anything else, please get in touch with me. Thanks very much, Woody. Thank you for the work that you're doing and the story that you've just shared and the personal story that you've shared with us all. It's, uh, yep. it's super important. Thank you. We will, we will end on that note and that positive message.